Hi, friends. I'm Andy Green, and today we're talking about physical therapy because this is the Naked Man Podcast. A couple of months ago, I was on a hike in my neighborhood. I was on the way back, and I suddenly had become aware of a rock in my shoe. It was a small pebble, but I felt it with every step under my heel. It didn't hurt so much as annoy me, but it certainly didn't feel good. I kept walking, thinking about the rock and only the rock. I considered stopping to remove the stone, but I didn't want to stop. I didn't want to slow down. The thought of taking off my shoe, of sitting down, or leaning against a tree, or even balancing on one foot while removing the other shoe, because God forbid I touched the dirt with my socks, even if they were going in the laundry hamper when I returned home regardless, was simply not an option. It didn't matter the scenario. I didn't want to do any of that. It was inconvenient. Besides, it wasn't that big of a deal, right? I could make it to the car, make it home, and take out the pebble when I removed my shoes. There was no extra work that way. I continued the hike for a few more steps, then stopped. What the fuck am I doing? I took off my shoe, removed the tiny nuisance, and put my shoe back on. It probably took 12 seconds, if that, before I was back on my way. I realized then that I treat every nuisance, every discomfort, every pain like that rock in my shoe. I wait as long as I can to take it out. I wait so long that I get used to the rock, that I forget it's even there. The problem becomes my reality, It becomes what I'm used to, a perpetual minimizing of anything that bothers me. Or I get to wear it like a badge of honor. Look at me. I put up with this rock for the entire hike. Look how strong I am. Look how good I am at denial. When I was back home in May, I borrowed my parents' SUV. Immediately, I noticed that the driver's side sun visor was broken. It wouldn't stay closed, so the safest route was to have it dangling off to the side, still in my line of sight while driving. Another rock in my fucking shoe. How long had this visor been like that? Because it wasn't my car, my body, I was incensed. This was annoying, distracting, this was dangerous, and I knew from experience that it had probably been like this for a while. Other memories came to me, like when I came home from college and I discovered, fuck you, die, bitch, scratched out on the side of my mom's red Subaru. I asked them what the hell had happened, and my parents said, that it was one of the neighbor's kids, the one who had been caught defiantly peeing in our yard one time. The bad neighbor. They didn't want to pursue any action against them or the poor kid, and I didn't blame them. It was more trouble than it's worth, and that kid was not the problem. But what I did wonder about was, why haven't you painted over the obscenities on your car? Whenever my mom went to work, to the grocery store, to the mall, to a friend's house, she was bringing that message with her. Whenever I left the house, whenever I passed the car in the driveway, I saw it and felt unsettled, scared, sad. When I asked them about it, my parents hemmed, hawed, shrugged. It didn't bother them. It was a pebble in the shoe that they had gotten used to. Years passed and there was still only tape over it. When my parents finally gave away the Subaru, I believe it still carried this scar. I'm not entirely sure how old I was when I got my first pair of orthotics, but it was around middle school when I was alerted to the fact that there was something wrong with my feet. 
I had flat feet, and they had begun to hurt after exercise, particularly after baseball. So I got orthotics from good old Dr. Newell, a podiatrist for athletes. For the next 20 years, I got a couple of replacements based on new molds of my feet. For the most part, having them just became standard operating procedure. It also became a badge of honor. I was good at baseball, racquetball, hiking, in spite of my feet. Despite that, every one of my steps landed on my heels. I walked more and longer than anyone I knew. There was also this story in my head of what could have been. Imagine how fast or athletic I would have been with normal feet. However, any outing or adventure that would require removing my shoes, my orthotics, and be barefoot brought with it anxiety because I knew my feet would hurt. And I also imagined judgment from everyone around me. Every trip to the beach had additional mental math, had shame attached to it because I would be the guy in socks and shoes until the last possible moment and would dread the moment of putting my sandy feet back in the socks and shoes after a day of swimming. Sandals just weren't an option. At least, that had become my truth. I know I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but when I talked about this with my friend Kyle, he was immediately like, they must have sandals for people with flat feet. And yeah, they did. They're called Archies. I was going to order them online, but to avoid the egregious $5 in shipping costs, I decided to look up if they were in stock anywhere nearby. Turns out, there was a physical therapy office called Physical, F-Y-Z-I-C-A-L, within walking distance of my apartment. I went there that week, bought a pair of sandals, and while at the office, discovered that they made orthotics. It had been a while since I had had new ones. Was Dr. Newell even alive anymore? I also had been waking up to more pain than I was used to, in my back, my neck, my knees. I chalked this up to getting older, but also minimized it. I didn't want it to be true, to be happening, because I was the healthy one. I was the one who never got hurt. Our family was the healthy family. My dad never gets sick. I never get sick. Indeed, I used to have a mind-over-matter belief about feeling poorly or getting sick, and still find myself going there. You know, sure, there was the week after my wedding when I woke up and my neck felt like an immovable block in so much pain that I could hardly walk, let alone move my neck in any direction. But after a lot of ice packs and heating pads, I was back to normal. It was just stress, evidence of 2020. I'm young, damn it. But now that I was in this office, I listened to that voice in the back of my head who told me to get help. The office checked if they accepted my insurance, and miraculously, they did. I just needed a referral from my primary care physician. And for once, I actually had one of those, so I put in that referral, then went back home for my post-wedding bachelor party. I remember that I got a call from a physical office trying to set up an appointment for me while I was out of town, but it was the office way in Ventura, not the one within walking distance. I would need to get a different referral. I didn't do that. An entire year passed. I don't remember what finally got me to circle back, but it was a couple months ago when I called the physical office, made an appointment, and reset the referral process. I walked in, and immediately, Dr. Jane Mead sized me up, and new changes were needed. My old plastic orthotics were not only out of date technologically, but out of date for me personally. They were built for a growing teenage Andy. They were doing adult Andy no favors, no longer challenging my feet, only ensuring that they stayed the same, weakening my feet. Jane had me walk for her in a straight line, noticing my feet were splayed with every step. My neck was out, up, always straining, always working. No wonder it hurt. When I was standing, my default position was a leftward lean, weight on my knee. No wonder it hurt. 
She also immediately noticed that my right shoulder was crooked. Back in college, I had slipped on a mound of black ice and landed directly on it. The hospital doctors explained to me that the shoulder hadn't been completely separated, so they couldn't simply put it back in place. They said that it would heal naturally over time. It didn't. Over the years, I had a vague sense that it wasn't healing, that maybe something was wrong. Ironically, it wasn't any physical activity that gave me this awareness, but the long days of typing where I noticed that the shoulder was sore. But those days were few and far between. It didn't seem like that big of a deal, and I forgot it, repressed it. There was and is literally bone and cartilage jutting out of my collarbone, yet I'd become blind to it, resigned to it. Because of that, now my shoulder was weak, stiff, immobile. My stomach, my core, was nowhere to be found in movements and motions that normally required them. When I sit down or stand up, I use my arms and legs, not my butt, not my abdomen. My spine had an unnatural curve. My organs had even shifted onto one side. Because of how I carried myself, because of how I carried my anxiety, I overworked my feet, my knees, and my neck. I moved like a block. I moved my foot like it was one bone instead of 26. This wasn't news to me. Ever since childhood, my immobile toes had been compared to the elastic ones of my sister. Instead of looking to change that, this only served to resign me to being deficient. My feet were and are my weakness, a point of shame. That was just the way it was supposed to be. In addition to the new orthotics that were designed by a fancy pants machine that I stood on and walked on, Dr. Jane recommended six weeks of physical therapy twice a week. When I got home, I felt elated, empowered, proud of myself for taking action, and in love with the story that this office, this doctor, had materialized within a stone's throw away, a powerful destiny. I remember wanting to do a monologue after that first week, but I didn't. Too busy or unmotivated, perhaps, or maybe there was a part of me that knew the story wasn't over. And it wasn't. Because the next six weeks weren't empowering. I was relearning how to sit, to stand, to walk. I'd always had this vague belief that I was doing something wrong, that other people knew something I didn't. Sure, I knew that was a universal feeling, but here I was at 34 years old, being told that that was actually true. My natural state of being was wrong. Now, that's not how it was expressed to me, but it's how it feels. When I was relaxed, my posture was terrible. When I was working, which is almost always sitting at a desk, my posture was also terrible. How I slept led to increased pain and discomfort in my body. It reminded me of learning a couple years ago that I grind my teeth at the dentist. That something I do unconsciously while asleep, a function of my anxiety, had worn down my enamel and exposed my teeth, leading to sensitivity and pain that has already resulted in fillings and other dental procedures with the possibility of more serious ones on the horizon. The things I had control of, brushing and flossing and using mouthwash, those were met with raves by my dentist, but it didn't matter. I still found a way to hurt myself. Basically, every moment of my day, waking or otherwise, was now under fire, now wrapped up in conscious thought and effort. I couldn't get comfortable because I didn't know how to anymore. Comfortable, for me, had become synonymous with pain. I always had a hard time relaxing, but the last couple months have made that even more the case. And because it felt like exercising would make everything worse when the opposite was true, I shied away from the hikes and walks that I used to do. I felt like the rock in my shoe. 
I was trapped in a body that felt ancient. That I did this now in my 30s was part of the shame. I was always the youngest person in the office doing physical therapy. I was also one of the only men. But that I did this now in my 30s is also part of the pride I have when I'm hopeful enough to see it. Doing this now instead of in my 70s when it's most dire will hopefully prevent much worse pain and injuries down the line. Taking responsibility for my health, for my body, now, before it's too late, has already changed my life and my trajectory. Still, I hated talking about this because it was embarrassing, humiliating. And like so many other doctor visits where I would forget any of the things that had been bothering me over the past year, immediately in their presence, whenever I spoke to someone about all of this, it felt like I lost my ability to describe what was going on. That, coupled with my penchant for minimizing, on the outside, nothing had changed, and I could still do everything I could do before I started physical therapy. Indeed, I questioned the pain. Was I being a baby? Was it good pain, the awakening of old muscles, or the continued stress of overused muscles? Or was I finally just feeling my body again? I couldn't tell, but most of the time, it just felt like I was complaining. I didn't know how to intellectualize this, even when it felt like this was all I was thinking about. It took a while to come to grips with it, but I had to let go of the idea that I could do all the things I normally did in a day, because this was taking up so much mental space, and it deserved to. Indeed, while physical therapy became the vocal point of the past couple months, it was far from the only adventure. With equal parts desperation and curiosity, I've been experimenting with self-care. I started using magnesium, a supplement known for helping anxiety. I started acupuncture to help alleviate stress and anxiety, but also to help this reset in my body. I've been seeing a new therapist that specializes in a different kind of therapy, brain spotting, one that is focused on feelings in the body, trying to break down the intellectual wall that I've built in order to survive. I've restarted CBD, determined to use it on a daily basis to help my anxiety. I found a dermatology office even closer to the apartment than my physical therapist. And after literal decades of investigating an erratic skin rash that I've had selective amnesia about, I've finally seemed to have locked onto the fact that I have psoriasis, something that returns in times of stress. The antibiotics that will eradicate it, I'm determined to actually use this time around. Per Dr. Jane's recommendation, I replaced my so-called ergonomic desk chair with a simple dining room chair. We replaced our sunken couch with a loveseat and a recliner. I already have my old man chair, and it's one of the things I'm most excited about. Two weeks ago, it felt like this process was never going to end. I was in the murky hard part where the other end of the tunnel wasn't visible. This coincided and indeed likely inspired my current depression. Everything was and is harder than it used to be, and the passion has been gone. I was tired of going through the motions. Indeed, going through the motions, living with and compartmentalizing discomfort, was what had incurred a lot of the pain in my body in the first place. That's led me to reconsider everything I'm doing, and I'm still in that process. I can't say if any of the things I'm trying are helping, because whenever I feel better, whenever the light feels like it's flickering back on, it goes out in need of a new light bulb. But last week, I graduated from physical therapy. Yay, the end of the tunnel is in sight now. Due to better posture and literal spine stretching, I might actually be taller. But this story isn't over yet, whether I'm conscious of it or not. I often write as a means to alleviate my anxiety, to find hope. And while that's been necessary, helpful, and often inspiring, 
I also think it served to smooth things over that weren't smooth yet, to craft a happy ending before I had gotten there. This isn't to say a happy ending isn't possible, but I think I've often imagined the removal of the pebbles from my shoe rather than actually working to remove them. I still wake up sore and stiff. Hell, I did this morning. Self-care has this aura of massages and woo-woo stuff, but for me, it's literally learning to take care of myself, listening to my body again, no longer ignoring the little things that become big things. This was and is a path to return to my body, to get to know it again. Working on how to walk properly has felt infantilizing, but it's clearly what I needed. As an artist, I've dedicated my life to rediscovering the child inside. For so long, I've only attempted that in my mind. Now, it's my body's turn. This episode of The Naked Man Podcast was written and performed by Andy Green. The Naked Man is a podcast hosted, created, and produced by me, Andy Green. All music was composed by Robert Panico, and all graphics were created by Christopher Miles.